Hey everybody, Brent here. You're about to listen to an episode of the Speaking of podcast where I sit down not only with my friend Bradford Rogers, who sat with me when we interviewed a few of my friends on racism just a week ago, but Bradford and I sit down with my friend Peter Stubbs, who is an RCMP officer here in New Brunswick. And we talked to him about his perspective on racism, the complexity of being a law enforcement officer, and trying to seek understanding from his side of the equation and the conversation. I was so encouraged by this, and I hope you are too. Here it is. Check it out. This is my conversation with Pete Stubbs. That's the sound. That's the sound. Welcome, people. Thank you for joining us for the Speaking of podcast. I am here with two friends. Uh, one I'll introduce in a minute, uh, but I want to say Bradford, my uh, my frequent flying companion. I'm back. And I think we're going to be able to see your face this time. <laughs> Hope so. That's the goal. So I full on. Let's go. We, we just edited you, edited you out the no, other time. No, no, no. No, we had a we had a Zoom fail, so it's good. It's that all right, we can see you this mm-hmm. time. It's I good. wonder what was happening last. Yeah, week. it was a Zoom fail. It was yeah. my my fault. I recorded that whole podcast uh, through Zoom, and I thought I was like controlling what people were seeing. Turns out it was just like <laughs> me. <laughs> so right. anyway, well, it, Bradford's a good sport. We got to hear your nice voice, but this time I'm we back. get to see you. Here we go. You're here, and we are with uh, my friend Pete Stubbs. Pete, thanks for joining us. Uh, want to talk today about uh, just well, whatever comes up, but generally want to talk about your life as a police officer and specific to uh, you know the conversation surrounding race that we started even on this podcast yeah. last week. Thought you'd have some good perspective on that, you know, to to help kind of frame it. Before we get to that, like, how you been and how's uh, Corona crisis treating you? It's uh, it, it's certainly a different world that we live in right now, but it's uh, it's been good having three young girls, mm. one, two, and three at home. Oh man! Uh, and I'll make you want to cuss for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife being isolated with them for a good chunk of that time. No escape. No escape. No, wow. that's that's the hardest part, I think. Mm-hmm. We don't been... have those community events where. You know, my wife gets a little bit of a break. Right, like church. Uh, mm-hmm. Church would yeah. be a good one. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you know, it? that's an hour and a half without the kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And that she doesn't normally get. So yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it definitely has had a trying times. But at the same time, I, I feel very thankful that uh, I have a job that hasn't been affected by yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there are there are positives and negatives to us all, but I, to it all. But I, I definitely wake up in the morning feeling thankful for yeah. this crisis. What's yeah. been the best? I'll ask both of you. What's been the best part of it? What's been the most maybe frustrating part of it? Like, well, if you take away, you know, we look back a, a year from now. Hopefully, this is behind us. What's been the best? Hey, that's that was a special blessing out of that. And what was the that can stay that can stay in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would say the best has um, I get I get more time with my family. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I get more quality time at home with my family, and we're not visiting people like we were before. So it, it's definitely given me time to spend with my girls and just being outside and letting them be kids. And yeah, uh, and we've enjoyed that. Uh, worst part, probably not having church. Yeah, that's been yeah. tough. That has been yeah. not having that community. Miss people. Not know, having right? that corporate worship. Yeah. yeah. We've struggled, both time. myself and Shauna, 
have struggled with that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, like I said before in the opening, it it was an hour and a half that we had without kids that we could just focus on God. Yeah. Uh, try doing that. Live streaming on TV yeah. with a one, two, and three-year-old. He can't. <laughs> Not <laughs> at all. Work. Not at all. He, I have this sense even while like the sermon's happening, you know, people are sort of doing their best to pay attention, but anybody with like little kids around, you know, it just is what it is, right? Like yeah. you're just doing your best, but hopefully this too will pass and we'll be back. Yeah. I was at a funeral yesterday and it was like a limited attendance. They only let like 50 people in. But it was like all it was like fifty Kings Church people. Wow. And people were like, This is amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, we're sorry. The, 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 but this is awesome. Yeah. They're so this happy to see each other. Wow. But uh yeah, sad about the funeral. Yeah. But but there was a <laughs> there was a real people. What, what about you, B? What's your yeah, what's for high, sure, high and low? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the the extra time with the kids uh have been great. Uh, I think that's also the downside <laughs> to the whole experience. Too. Funny how that works. I have four kids. Okay. Uh, and so that's a journey. Uh, I think I've spoken more in tongues than I have <laughs> ever before in this this journey of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How I've old said are kids? Words, yeah. yeah, so I have a ten year old, yeah. and I have a three year old, two year old, and a ten month old. Oh, yeah. Super cute kids, man. They are. Your kids are. Yeah. Super cute. They're the best. Yeah, and yeah. They, and they're good too. Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. uh, they're they're pretty mild mannered. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'd say the same. It's been it's been good to be with family and like it's it's caused good connection. Yeah. But the same. It's been also the pain of it is like there's very little outlet, very mm-hmm. little pressure release. Yeah. Right. There's oh, no. You don't get the rhythm of school for us or church. Like I miss that weekend rhythm of church. Like just. Yeah. Even the event of it, I'm missing it. Yeah, I'm missing that yeah. high, even yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's probably some unhealthy dependency on that 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 maybe I've had from a lifetime of going to church. But I miss that. I miss seeing people, the community. I miss the glory of those worship experiences mm-hmm. together. You mm-hmm. just can't recreate that through online. You yeah, can't. Yeah. So it's uh, it's been pretty stark. And you talk about mm-hmm. outlets too. And and one of the other things for me, and I think you share that as well, is not having the gym huge mm. i mean that is a stress relief big to time. have the mm. gym and you get that high that you talk yeah. about after your workout right yeah, yeah. and to, if, to have that removed from your life yes on top of the other restrictions is a challenge super like it's just been very challenging i, mm. I would really love to just hold a 45 pound piece of metal in my hands <laughs> i don't know if it. i could hold a 45 pound piece of metal in my hand anymore at this yeah. point yeah like my what's what's the what's the so like rigor mortis, I don't know. Like when your when your your body when your body just starts falling apart, but I feel like I've got it. Like I'm losing muscle mass by the yeah. day. It's crazy. Have you been fly fishing yet? I haven't yet this year. No, no, no. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna get up until maybe the first part of July. Will yeah, be my first trip up. Mm. I just bought a license and I still haven't I haven't done it yet no. either. But here's wow. a question, mm-hmm. Bradford. Yeah. Do black people fly fish? Uh, not that I know of. <laughs> I haven't you've been, been. You've been helpful. You've been helpful to like help me understand the culture. Yeah. Because like yeah. you know, I found out that like not that many black people are, are into Star Wars. Nope. Nor Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like just there's fantasy. very few though. Very fantasy few. in general. Fantasy in general. <laughs> fantasy. In ge- yeah. We like to stick to reality. <laughs> to what's happening. You know, I, I got thinking about that. Like that, I mean, this might come up later in the in the kind of the racial conversation. Mm-hmm. But I got actually thinking about you telling me that. You know, like, I don't think, 
again, we we don't want to paint too broadly. Sure, obviously, sure. there's obviously some black Star Wars nerds out there. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But like the culture generally doesn't like gravitate to fantasy no. genre. No. And you wonder what that says about like white people having the luxury of imagining Mm-hmm. Some other challenging <laughs> world that you know what I mean, like yeah. that. I, that I, but I am with Bradford. Like, mm. You know, I've never even watched Star Wars. No. So, so Lord of the Rings. So you're no. a police officer. No. Yeah. You live an adventure. <laughs> yeah. You guys. So people who are like me, that. who grew up in the suburbs, <laughs> I need some adventure. You're yeah, made for it. Yeah. So maybe yeah. that's what that is all about. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to jump into the conversation. You know, we we started on the podcast last week. I had Leonard Anderson and Fantastic. Thomas. That was fantastic awesome, time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was super good, and mm-hmm. it, I know a lot of people have watched it or heard it, and it's resonated and it's been helpful. And I think the big thing behind that was just like the conversation about race through the lens of relationship. Like that's really that changes things when you know someone, when you have a friend who's like saying, "No, this is real. This hurts me," or "This is how I see it." Mm-hmm. That changes. It changes the conversation for you when you're no longer hearing it maybe through the echo chamber of social media or what's online, but you're now hearing it out of the, out of a person's mouth. You're seeing it on their face. Like I'm in pain, you know, Mm -hmm. this is legit. So, you know, that's why I wanted to have the conversation in the first place Mm -hmm. is my perspective on racial issues has Mm -hmm. changed. The more black friends I've, I've gained in the last decade of my life. And so I, I legitimately have a different opinion. You know, I probably, 10 years ago, if you'd asked me, is racism a problem in Atlantic Canada, I probably just would have flat out said no. Mm, mm-hmm. But that was from a perspective of a white guy who didn't have any black sure, friends. Sure, you know? yeah. And so my perspective was very narrow because mm-hmm. I didn't have friends who, ha- who have, you know, had that experience. They were there. I don't have any black friends. So, you know, and I, and I thought that conversation was very helpful for white guys like myself and mm-hmm. like so many of my other, my white friends and yeah. family. Yeah. And I had a lot of feedback from, from people I know just saying like, I had no idea. Like I believe them when they, when I heard them speaking and I yeah. saw the emotion on their face, I believe them and I have no reason not to thank you for allowing me to hear from your friends, yeah. you know? So the relationship thing is crucial in these conversations because what starts to happen when we get these kind of tense dynamics, people, if you don't have that connection of relationship, you really can't get accurate an accurate picture um, until you until you do right. Absolutely, hundred so, percent. So I got thinking about it, and and you know, as you've watched the last couple of weeks unfold, you see the you know the not just the protests, which are, are really really cool to see that happening. Like there seems to be a momentum about this this particular season that there hasn't been yet, I don't think, on this on this issue of race. But you're also seeing, you know, beyond protest, you're seeing riots and looting, pretty intense stuff. And and with that, some pretty broad stroke conversations surrounding law enforcement. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. same exact way though that <clears throat> you, peop, you'll you'll hear people d- be dismissive or have harmful assumptions about black people. You know, you you almost can hear it in some of the conversations surrounding law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, the police are the problem. Mm-hmm. Police are bad. Like, well, that's actually the same. That's the same. That brush, that broad stroke brush, is the same problem. It doesn't matter what you know what we're painting with it. If we're not having relational conversations with people and hearing them. I think I think we're gonna run into problems, and so I thought it'd be cool to just I I have a friend yeah. in Pete Stubbs who among others I have family members who are law enforcement, um, 
And so I have a different perspective on their life. And I thought, man, to hear from them, though, yeah, no, that's good. might be a hugely helpful thing. I'll just say one more thing before I introduce, I get to hear from Pete. But I remember uh, about two years ago, uh, a friend of mine from, from the church here, he works in St. John. He's on the police force in St. John. Uh, Dan, he's just a good guy. Took me out for a took me out for a, a ride along, so I spent a day. That's fun. Doing a ride along with with him through St. John, and he's on the St. John Police Force. Wow. And like, it was eye opening. Just the, you know, it was like a beautiful summer day. Nothing crazy happened, but we did like just in the in like a four hour window, you know, respond to like multiple pretty intense like a couple domestic things and like just like just and it was just normal for him just going from one call to the other to the other and i'm like i'm i'm kind of following him into these situations (laughs) and stuff like actually i have one guy like kind of getting into a bit of a back and forth with dan dan's trying to calm him down he's like what's this guy doing here (laughs) i'm just the pastor you know but uh it opened my eyes because like i could just see like how you know, well, one from from knowing Dan, like this guy's out here just not just trying to do his job, but actually make a difference. Like he, you know, didn't didn't you know, like this that's a dangerous, difficult job, and these were complex situations that like there just wasn't always just easy answers, you know, yeah. and like yeah, no, it's true. It's just a di- it's just this crazy dynamic, and so like the perspective I got on him and and like like people who are in your line of work is like. Man, like you walk a razor's edge every day, not mm-hmm. just with safety, but the complexity of what is a good answer in this situation. Definitely. And so, like, I thought it'd be just cool to have a conversation with yeah, you. No, that's good. You know, especially have Bradford here, even be able to pop some questions to you as well. Mm-hmm. Like, just just on everything that's happening in the world, but you know, specifically from your perspective, you know, how this whole thing is 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 playing out and what you as a police officer are feeling and seeing in it but how did you get into this what's your history in in law enforcement i mean you're a guy about my age so you're not young but you're not old yeah so what's what's been your story what made you get into this what's got you here in new brunswick Mm -hmm. sure uh so i mean i'm I am a New Brunswick kid. I was born in, in Moncton, and, and this is home, but I grew up in a family where my dad got transferred every couple of years, and I have lived as far east as Halifax and as far west as Vancouver. Wow. And what your dad was? He worked for General Motors okay. on like the corporate side, and okay. they kind of run like the military. If, right. if you got a promotion, you got a transfer. Yeah. Gotcha. So shortest stay was eight months, and longest was three years until grade 10. Okay. So my 12 years of school, I went to you know 11 different schools. Wow. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, um, that I ended up in Oshawa for my Oshawa, yeah. Ontario for my high school. So yeah. I started grade 10 there. Um, and at that point, uh, when you're traveling around all the time and you're the new kid, it's amazing. So we're talking about cultures here. It The minority groups were the groups that accepted you first. Mm. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, so that's, that's been so your true. experience. No as matter a, where I went. 100%. Yeah. I typically fit in with a minority group my whole life. Really? Yeah. Because uh, the groups that were established, uh, the, right. we'll, we'll, we'll say the, the rich white, white groups, yeah, they yeah. were established wherever I went. Mm-hmm. They weren't apt to just accept you. You were viewed wow. as competition or the new kid or whatever. No right? kidding. Whatever it may be. Wow. So when we finally stopped moving in, uh, in grade 10, I mean, uh, the majority, and I, when I say majority, like the vast majority of my friends 
from the time I was 14 till the time I was 20 were not white. Wow. Right. Yeah, like my my best friends uh, growing up, it was a guy named Lavar and another guy named Mustafa. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. So. I don't. I don't picture either one of them looking like me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's amazing uh, how nope. a lot of the time names can like let us mm-hmm. give it. Like, have you ever you ever met a black Brent? <laughs> but have you ever I met haven't. a black Brat or a white Bradford? No. Yeah. See. Or like a, a white Lavar. Yeah. No. 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 Right. <laughs> and Mustafa. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing he doesn't, he doesn't he doesn't look like Ron over there on no. the uh, on the switch. I, I mean, and he's uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is now he's an imam. Okay. So oh, wow, mean, he's wow. a wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's been in he was in South Africa for five years and uh, trained and now he's back and that's cool. Yeah. Does he live? He's in Ontario. He's in Ontario wow. as well. Yeah. So I had some diverse experiences growing up we'll before say. you ever even got into law enforcement. Yeah, and uh, with all that's going on with. Floyd with Mr. Floyd and and before I get into my policing experience like this has made me reflect on some of the experiences of my past and think you know what maybe that wasn't right so just a couple quick examples like I can remember so we're going to see Benny Hinn in Pittsburgh wow so it was me I'm the only white guy in the car yeah and uh this guy's cultured the (laughs) yeah yeah and the parents that are in in the vehicle are from El Salvador yeah and uh so we're going across the border, and as a kid, I went across the border on a fairly regular basis. Right. Every time we drove to New Brunswick, we went through the States yeah. Yeah, and sure. whatnot, and we did <clears> lots <throat> of vacations. I'd never been searched. I just got asked a couple questions. Right. So we're going through the border, and we're crossing. We tell them we're going to see Benny Hinn. We're going to Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> we're excited. Go to church service. Going to a church service. Yeah. And uh, we get stopped, and we get searched, and they open our trunk, and they're looking through all of our luggage, and I'm like, Wow. What is going on? This is more thorough than it is when I go through with mom yeah. and dad. Yeah. So, but I remember asking and I, I, I remember saying after to one of my friends saying, this is crazy. We're getting searched. And their response was, this is what happens every time. Wow. And so when I, when I sit and I think about that in my past, I think that, you know what? And the moment yeah, they laughed it off yeah. and they, they kind of part of life, part of life and just a joke. Yeah. Um, but their life was always different in in those ways right mm. um and then the other one that came back to me was um we were in so me and mustafa yeah. so uh he, he had some cousins and we were visiting them in north york and we were going to go fishing for the may long weekend yeah um and we had a bb gun with us and so me being you know a kid that just doesn't really think before he his actions yeah. potentially that's only you no, yeah none right of us were like that like 14 15 years old there's mm-hmm. i'm in north york and there's a park next door yeah so i grabbed the bb gun and i'm gonna go shoot some birds mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh so we or i walk in the park and i see this lady who kind of checks me out and i'm like you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna stop now because i i think she doesn't like what i'm doing so i go into his house back to mustafa's friend's house uh, cousin's house and uh all good and we we're in there another half hour and we get in our car and we're about to pull out so we we pull out of our driveway and we go to start heading down the road and all of a sudden there's one police car a second police car a third whoa oh man and then the SWAT team yeah what everyone's got their gun yeah on the loud hailer and we're being ordered to get out of our vehicle so we get out of our vehicle we we explain it explain it away we show them the gun and and one thing I remember the police officer said to me was uh, when we ran, he said something to the effect of, uh, you know, this seem, may seem like an extra amount of force, 
Um, but when we ran the plate, it came back to Patel. And Patel is associated to other gangs within Toronto. Wow. Now, Patel is like Smith, if you're white. It's not a name that is like specific it right. is it's a, I mean, it's a common very uh, common com- like name. like east like a eastern like a like an asian name exactly yeah mm. and so when i sit and i think think of that i mean would the response been the same if it came back to stubs yeah, yeah. I, I can't answer those questions yeah, no, sure. um but when i sit and i talk with my friends they can share many experiences those are just two yeah. that i experienced as a kid that's the that's the hard part about like you know, because I, I have so many white friends and, and honestly, like you hear even right now people having the conversation about race and a lot of white people unable to deal like the, the word systemic is a yeah. huge like <clears throat> some people just can't get over that hurdle. Yeah, like no, they yeah. just can't believe that with within how this whole thing is structured that it could be, it's act, it's legitimately different mm-hmm. for other people. And it like, is. well, it, it here, well, here's the thing, like uh, either. So if Bradford's telling me or your friend, your friends are telling you that like, Hey, this, this experience has been different, you know, for me as a Christian, I, I, well, I, a, I can't think that, you know, just because you're, if you're getting different results in your life, you're, it's, it's not because you're not as smart as me. No, mm-hmm. it's not because you're not as able as I am. I don't believe that. I believe yeah. everybody's created in the image of God, yeah. black people and white people and brown people. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're no one's smarter than the other. So mm-hmm. I don't believe that. I don't believe you're lying because I know you. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be it's got to be something, something else that is causing this volume of, of yeah. people to have that same testimony. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like the more conversations you have with people that, you know, they're like, no, I, of course. You, yeah. I've never gone through the border and not had them check my bags, you know, yeah. like as, at what point do we, do you actually stop and, and say, yeah, okay, clearly there are different rules yeah. yep. at work for different people. Yeah. I like guess mm-hmm. just a thing. Yeah, no, it is. So, and so at that age, so then that takes me up to around my twenties early, early twenties, 1920. And then I went, and then I went to uh, school and did business and in, majored in HR um, and to a certain extent lost that connection. Uh, my friends were white when I was in, in college. Right. Uh, I took off and I went to Lake Louise after college. And, uh, then I, I met, um, a, a, a lady by the name of Nadine Harris. And, uh, she is a big black proud mm-hmm. woman mm-hmm. and she became my best friend out there. Yeah. And I, I remember her and Noriko. So she's Japanese were uh, they were my two real friends while I was wow. in Lake Louise, wow. and I mean they were both supervisors. I was like the bottom of the barrel out there. Yeah. So I live in like a crappy dorm. It was nasty, yeah. and they had like a nice supervisor suite. So I mean I slept on their couch a good chunk of the nights. Yeah. I lived in Lake Louise for that six months. Um, but it's just another example of everywhere I went. That was yeah. always the connections wow. that that I made. Wow. Um, That's cool. telling too, right? That's like so cool. that that like minorities are quicker to to just like take you in exactly. it's easy it's easier to infiltrate that it system is, yeah. than it is to infiltrate uh, like an established white white community mm-hmm. that, i mean that speaks that speaks to systems too you no, know but, yeah. wow and so after that i uh, i took a transfer actually to st john worked at the delta for a couple of years With, still doing hr st- no i so i did banquets in 
here. I was managing the banquets and the bars. Man, you've had like a hundred jobs. Oh, I've been a little bit all over the place. (laughs) Home Depot is where I started. No, discount car and truck rentals, then Home Depot. And I've been a little bit everywhere. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So, um, and then I literally, my grandmother cut an ad out of the newspaper that said, you know, we're taking applicants for the RCMP. Okay. And so I, I never as a boy did I grow up saying I want to be a police officer. Wow. It just kind of happened. So I went and wow. wrote the test. Uh, and 16 months later, I was in Saskatchewan doing yeah. the training for... How, um, old, how old were you then? 23. And you're like 36, 37? 38. 38. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. you've been at it, at it 15. Yeah, I'm in my 15th year. Yeah. Now. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you've seen so. some stuff. Yeah. It's so good. so you leave you leave Saskatchewan. Where where's your first and my your first, first posting post? is Ten Talon, which is Upper Hammond's playing. Right. Yeah. Okay. And that would be that would be where like uh, Lennett was saying yeah. he went to high school, yeah. wasn't that's, it? That's right. And mm-hmm. so part of my area at that time was Pastor Anderson's area as well. Okay. So wow. And this is where my so that's your first that's your first post first as post. as a RCMP. Yeah. Wow. And so I lean right in. Lean right in. Now, I've given you the kind of my past, and then my experience when I got to Tantalon was just so drastically different. Mm. So I can remember in my first, within my first six months, um, I went to a domestic call in Upper Hammonds Plains, yeah. the, the black community. Yeah. And I can remember it was a domestic, and I, walk, I, I get to the house, and a black man comes out, and he is not happy that I am there to see him. Really? And mm-hmm. he expresses that because I'm white, he's not happy that I'm there. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. he doesn't want to deal with me. Yeah. And so from my background, that's shocking at this point. Yeah. Because I've You've always, only ever been accepted. I've only ever been accepted in the mm. black community my now whole you life. Have you have a different skin color on you. It's yeah. not your whiteness. Yeah. It's your white copness, you mm-hmm. think? Is that, is oh, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And it was, it was the fact... And like... So even though I'm a police officer and at 23, I didn't think, oh man, this is because I'm a police officer, right? right? It was just, it was an attack on me and I was, right. I just didn't understand it. Um, and, and so a, another black officer did come and dealt with the situation, quickly de-escalated and it really ended up being nothing. Um, and then the second one that stands out to me is in a, in another black community, um, I was doing a patrol and next thing I know it, there are boulders being thrown at me. Yeah. Wow. And when I say, like, it was, it was not pebbles, like rocks wow. at the car. And one hits the windshield and the other one hits the A-frame pillar on the on the uh, front of the car. And I'm thinking, I, I just couldn't fathom Why are you doing what this? was going on. So what that did is it actually caused me to look into it because it's not what I knew. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I, I looked into the history of Halifax yeah. and the black yeah. population. Yeah. And I watched that. Uh, everyone should watch that BBS or BBC, 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 yeah, BBC. on Africville. Yes. Okay. It's a BBC or CBC. B, I think Is it's it? BBC. Okay. If you go on YouTube it, and you okay. type in yeah. Africville, yeah. it'll show up. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's only about a half an hour uh, documentary, but it shows what, Halifax did to the black community there. Yeah. And there is a, a significant history yeah. uh, that is completely unfair, yeah. was completely racist. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and that history was part of the reason why, as a police officer, I was, the people were reacting that way 
to me being there. Right. And uh, and so the other thing that I did is, so in our first six months as a police officer, you have to uh, do a community portfolio. So you pick a community, you kind of go into that community and you learn about it. So I picked Upper Hammonds Plains. So I actually, first wow. phone call I made was to Pastor Anderson. Okay. And I was wow. like, that's good on you. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Me and you need to have a conversation. And yeah. I'm, wow. I explained what I was doing and he with open arms. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, he is an amazing man yeah. and an incredibly genuine, nice yeah, yeah, man. Totally. Yeah, no. So legit. I went to the church and we sat down and I honestly thought it was going to be a half hour conversation. I don't remember exactly how long it was, but I, we got into all kinds of details of the past of the community of the past of the black community in general in Halifax. Yeah. And I remember him giving me a magazine where it was, uh, he was the top or one of the five pastors in Canada that have impacted his community in a positive way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still have that McLean's magazine somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and he also put me in touch with uh, like the community group there. And so I went and I met with them and talked about uh, some of the police issues and, yeah. and met with the kids. Uh, but then I, in addition to that, I was like, you know what? I want to go to his church. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep waiting. I keep waiting for an invite that to preach. That church is fun. I was going to, I was going to try to, it is fun. I was going to try to like insert Pat, oh, see yeah. if Pastor Leonard would invite me to oh, preach yeah. on a podcast. Fun. I didn't it feel like that fun. was the time because we were in we were in something a little more serious. Yeah. But. So you started going to the EBC meeting I did, place. So I, I remember walking in the first time and the unbelievable yeah. welcome yeah you walk in that place you don't get a handshake yeah. hugs hugs hug, yeah. i don't i think before i got into the sanctuary i probably got 10 hugs yeah. and not like pentecostal side hugs yeah like yeah. hugs yeah. like you knew that you were welcome <laughs> you knew that you this were loved like borderline cool. like inappropriate hugs yeah but it's, okay. <laughs> but it's great no one cares yeah. squeeze no till you're almost uncomfortable <laughs> yes you gotta breathe that's you gotta breathe in yeah i know exactly yeah. yeah and i truly felt like no one cared that i was white Wow. And uh, immediately accepted. So cool. And uh, had, I, I, I didn't go every Sunday there. I was at a point in my life where I wasn't going to church every Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but I did, I, I probably went, you know, I'm going to say four or five times once in uniform and stood at the back and wow. I was still accepted. Wow. Uh, which was, which was really a, a cool experience. Yeah. Wow, so cool. you, like, I don't want to miss that. So did yeah. that, you really were proactive in building bridges though of relationship in the community where you're posted. Yeah. So did that, did that change some of the dynamic as you served there over time or? So I, I honestly cannot remember other than uh, maybe one call that I went with like social assistance to help out with something. But outside of that, I can't remember going to a call in that community. Okay. So I it, truly like, I mean, I'm not sure what it's like now, but the crime rate in, in Upper Hammonds Plains was not it was the same as everywhere else I would right say, if not lower yeah um it was genuinely a good community for right. the most part so like because I, I just think though it's so different than so so you go back to your first your first like experience you get in boulders thrown at you and you're like what on earth is going on right now yeah and so as a human being if you put yourself so you put yourself in the shoes of the people the people who live like in upper hammonds plains like generations rooted into people who have been been stepped on really like like mm-hmm. just a, abuse you know yeah. racial well, abuse mm-hmm. so you get you get, you know back to our conversation we had last week you can you can understand even if you've not been there you can understand where they're coming from 100%. to have that animosity 
But to flip it though, you know, so I put myself in your shoes. If you're throwing rocks at me and you don't even know me, my reaction generally, like the more human reaction isn't to go and study up on Africaville and decide to try to understand before you react. Like I'm going to, I'm going to pick up rocks at very least and chuck them back at you right right now. And so that's what you see though, is like, and we'll get to this, I'm sure. But when we're talking about police officers, because these are human beings too, trying to do a very difficult job and you get in these pressure cook situations where it's like, it's so easy to just see how these things keep escalating because, like, you're returning evil with evil, evil with evil, and it just keeps getting. But there, and, and truly, there is a higher standard for police officers. Hundred yeah, percent, and, we'll, and, we'll, and we and need so to we need to talk about some that. of that is the way it should be. Yeah. Some yeah. of it might be we're we're not perfect. Yeah, police well, officers and are not perfect. I yeah. think there's a bunch mm-hmm. of tensions and dynamics that need to be managed, and and that's one of them yeah. is like what where's the Where's the bar of humanity for a, a police officer? And where's that? Yeah, with authority comes higher expectations. Like same for me as a pastor. Like I have certain expectations on my lifestyle because of the spiritual authority that I have. And it should be that way. That's right. Yeah. And the same the same way with having, you know, legal authority to, to be in law enforcement. But I don't want to miss, though, like the I just think it's unusual I think you're unusual, yeah, like in no, some ways. Sure. Like, I, I, not not that there's yeah. again. I, I'm the last person to say there's that. not there's not good police officers out there. I know I know many, yeah. but I think what you did though in like, and even if you had to, even if the RCMP had the foresight to say you need to do a community study, which that's great, but whether or not you give yourself to that or not yeah. is up to the individual. Yeah. And like the fact that that's you right. sat down with Lennett and and you wanted to hear from him and that kind of thing, like. I think that's the power, that's like that's that's what actually can diffuse these. And I think, so a, a big chunk of that is because of my past though, right? Right. And so many people, and New Brunswick is a great example. And I mean, even you talked about last yeah. week how you didn't have any black friends right. growing up. So that understanding for me was already, some of it, not all of it, yeah. some of it was already there mm-hmm. because of the relationships that I had growing up. Right. Right. Um, where wow. a lot of people in in Canada in general, there are there are pockets of black communities, mm-hmm. but there is not a large black community in most parts of Canada. Right. Outside yeah, of the major sure. cities. Yeah. Right. Like there's yeah. just not like even Atlantic Canada outside of Halifax. You just get, you know, you get some black folks. I mean, you, you're experiencing oh, yeah. now. You're like one, one of how many black families in Hampton? I'm probably it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be honest with you. Yeah, so yeah. it's like I mean, yeah. it just that's the just point. a reality, and so. That's right. But that's that's you know you think about the the te- like I I see I get watching these riots and stuff and like on the one hand you see the pain on the black community and like just have had enough you know and I get it yeah. and I I I don't I don't act like I understand um, but at the same time you see these officers in their riot gear with a job to do and actually like legitimately trying to protect, protect not just property, but human life, you know, and like, it's a lose, lose situation. Like, what do you do? Like, do you you move people with force or do you let people just tear apart everything? And it's like, you see these, it's just complex. Yeah. And you're being paid to do a job that most people want to run away from. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's the reality of being a police officer in a lot of situations. Yeah. Right. So it, it is, it's, it's, very different. And then, so just to go back to Upper Hammond's Plains, I was only there for a year and a couple months, and then I ended up getting transferred. Where'd you go next? Sackville. Lower, Sack, Sackville, Sackville, Nova Scotia. Yeah. So like, uh, 
10 minutes up the road. Exactly. But mm-hmm. I ended up in a white community, position. white community, but I ended up in like a, uh, a position that basically I was in charge of, uh, seven or eight different schools. So okay. Was, yeah. When you, when you, uh, when you're in Halifax and I don't know what it's like there now, but when you, after your first year or two, you ended up going to the airport, a community liaison, a school liaison or okay. some, something to that effect. Um, Hmm. I wouldn't say they were very desirable posts, but <laughs> yeah. kind of like doing your time. Yeah. So, and then, so let's, let's, let's get your story. Let's, let's do story, story corner here. Like, okay, sure. Cause it's actually interesting though, too, like to your, your line of work, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. uh, drama and tension, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I just the one day of, I'm sure there's, there's monotonous, boring, a lot of boring sure. components to it too. But the reality is you still are, you do still go to a lot of like, pretty intense situations, yep. you know? So where did you go after, after Halifax? What, where'd you go next? Uh, I went to Toronto actually and worked okay. in uh, a federal section uh, that worked on the national security side. Okay. Of things for, for Canada. So you were like, uh, it's kind of like FBI. Yeah. It would be equivalent to what the FBI would do in, in the U S right. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, I would wear this to work. Yeah. I, I never wore a uniform for the four and a half years I was in Toronto. Wow. Uh, and kind of traveled the world. That's wow. cool. Yeah. That's, That's cool. Absolutely. Would you have to kill us if you told us a story? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I probably can't share a whole lot from yeah, the stories yeah, from yeah, that no, line of work. I could certainly share a couple from general duty, but yeah, yeah, uh, no, that's cool. Yeah. And so, at what point did you meet your wife? And like, like where where was that? Was that in, that was in Ontario? Wasn't it was it? in Ontario. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I met my wife. Uh, in Toronto, I actually went back to the church that I used to see, go I to. See, I remembered. I knew. That, yeah. That's that's right. Okay. Yeah. I went back to the church where I grew up as a kid, and or where I went to high school anyway, and uh, just went and spent a weekend with my mom, and one of my old friends uh, approached me and just kind of said, hey, there's a girl I think you should meet. Nice. And uh, I initially was like, no, that's not happening, man. <laughs> just the, set, the setup? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I'm not good with that. Yeah. And, uh, but eventually, um, I would say several months after, she contacted me again and said, I really want you to meet this girl. And we went and had coffee. And I would say two dates later, uh, I knew she you was going to marry. Wow. Yeah, that was it. That, yeah. was it. that was it. I was yeah. set up too. So Were you? yeah. Oh yeah. 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 My wife's brother-in-law, or my wife's my wife's uh, wife, my wife's brother's wife, okay. kind of put it together. So, yeah. wow, I, yeah, yeah, I didn't I, know that. Yeah, I would never have had the guts to. So was that Mark to, I need, Brewer's yeah, wife? Yeah, gotcha. I wouldn't have had the guts to to go make. In fact, I needed significant coaxing from <laughs> my future <laughs> sister-in-law. It's like. Like many times, her just saying she will, she will say yes yeah. if you ask her out. Yeah. Like well, I don't believe you. Yeah. So wow. it's, it's yeah. funny. I, on our third date, I can remember how ha- I think it was around our third date. I can remember having the conversation with her, uh, and she was saying that she never wanted to leave Ontario. Uh oh. And uh, I was like, well, we need to really make a decision on this because if you don't want to leave Ontario, then this isn't going to work. Yeah. And she came back the next day or within a couple of days and said, no, you know what? I'm willing to move and I want our life to be an adventure. And that's when I was like, okay. And, it's, wow. yeah. and then was it from there to here? Is uh, that no, to Keswick. Keswick, New Brunswick. New Brunswick. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's where my, my, my in-laws are all from. Yeah. 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 Where's that at? It's like Keswick? North of Fredericton. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Watch yeah. Your, get your mic right there. Get okay. in there. Here you go. Yeah. Just, I would say North West of, 
Frederick. Yeah. The yeah. Ridge. Yeah, exactly. The Ridge. Yeah. yeah. So okay. you were stationed out there. Like I was that. stationed there for a year and year and a half. And you were yeah. like, you were dealing with people making moonshine. Illegal grow ops. I will say. That's what's going on up Keswick, there. Keswick has a, a large area that they police. Um, but Keswick Sorry. Ridge itself is actually, you know, a oh, nice yeah. little. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just making it go, go a little further. You got to go up to like, uh, Zealand and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> you, part of the area. You get into the moon. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You see some, see some stuff. Yeah. There's that, uh, this is for, there are people all who are going to watch this that just don't care, but there's a, there's a house. Is that house with all the hubcaps yep. still up there? Well, it's still there. <laughs> well, I, I haven't been there in about four years, yeah. but it was the four years ago. House. So there's yeah. like a, the hubcap on the way wow. to like the ski hill, there's yep. this house that's got probably a thousand hubcaps <laughs> <there>. <laughs> just on the on the wall. It's amazing. So oh, that's, that's, the, that's what you go that's see that's when you're in, uh, you're in Zealand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you just, that's how I knew I was in Zealand. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, and then after that, I ended up in St. Stephen. Yeah. And you've been there ever since. Yeah. I've been there for this summer will be, well, actually, no, this month. It's four years. Four wow. years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that's, that's probably where we're staying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, cool. yeah. it's uh well, I've, I love uh, I love the whole stretch from St. John to St. Stephen's. Just yeah, it's nice. God's country. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys these guys uh, they're they're part of our St. Stephen location. Mm-hmm. So we're just waiting for it. We have there two two, two, for it. two households. <laughs> you and another 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 guy who's also a police officer. I think uh, uh, CBSA. Okay. Aaron. Oh, yeah, Aaron. yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So I know some kind of official job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Aaron. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there's a few more too, but. Yeah, there probably there probably are, especially now. Oh, so yeah, yeah the mm-hmm. the Corona thing has really uh, decentralized our church. Yeah. Sure, so sure. In a good yeah. in a good way. So you saw you saw the George Floyd thing, and you watched the video. I'm assuming, which is just like it's just hard to even. You just watch like you hear the guy like yelling, "I can't breathe," and you're just like, "Yeah, man." And then you see the the guy did look pretty cold. Like he just looked like he's doesn't care he's just mm-hmm. got his knee on his neck so as a police officer yeah you watch that as a police officer and now, and now we know your background too like it's yeah. not as simple as you're just seeing it from the side of the of the blue people you know yeah what do you how do you how do you unpack that like how do you even process that what is what did you see when you saw that so it, it legitimately breaks my heart yeah i uh I struggled to watch. Uh, the first time I tried to watch the video, I watched maybe the first 45 seconds. And mm-hmm. I had to turn it off. Um, but I did make myself watch the full yeah. minutes and change because I just I felt like it needed to be. Needed yeah. To be watched. You can't look away. You, you can't. can't you can't. You, yeah, yeah. You can't turn a blind no. eye to that. No. no. And uh, it, it legitimately broke my heart. And uh, it, it, uh, just a quick. To go back, uh, I would say in February, Craig Rochelle, he does a, he did a podcast series on, um, it's called Dangerous Prayers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the prayers was, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Mm. And uh, this is one of those situations that truly, like, broke me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, I think when you look at it from that perspective... Like from it breaks God's heart that that happened. Yeah. Uh, and then for it to be someone who wears the same uniform that I wear, yeah. For someone who has the same skin color that I have, uh, is just completely 
unacceptable. Yeah. And I am thankful that they are being charged. Yeah. And I'm thankful that, and so I believe good is going to come from this. Yeah. There's nothing good about the situation. Yeah. No. But good is going to come from this because conversations like this are happening. Yeah. yeah. No, they are. And conversations like last week uh, when you had, um, I, I don't remember all the pastors' names. Yeah, Matt and Jeremiah and yeah. Lennon and Brefford. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And man, I took some great stuff from that podcast and it actually made me reach out to, um, I think it's probably six of my friends. And I didn't want to just send a general email to all yeah, of my black friends. Yeah. Like I just didn't feel right about that. I wanted to do individual emails. Yeah. And uh, I did. And their response that I got back, like it do- it breaks yeah. a community mm-hmm. when something like that happens. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, and I specifically, uh, Nadine messaged me back. And she said, like when she saw that video, she just broke down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, all she could do was just pray and cry out to God. Yeah. And because it, what it, it was, I think things like this. I'm sure they've happened in the past, but now we're getting a real view. It's of being filmed. Yes. Yeah. And I am not here to say. So as a police officer in Canada, in my 14 years of policing, I've seen nothing like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. It police officers happen, in Canada yeah. doesn't happen, but I can say that I have seen absolutely nothing like that. Um, but I do think that positive change is going to come from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, sure. And and I after watching the podcast, so I, I one of the things they said is to reach out, and I was like, yeah. you know what, that's a great idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to everybody. And then they talked about not being silent. Yeah. And so I prayed. I was like, God, I don't want to be silent. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I texted you <laughs> and probably. Literally like 36 hours later, you're texting me saying, hey, do you want to come on and do the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got God, uh, can, we, can we back this one I, up a little yeah, bit? Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. I will do it because I prayed it and I genuinely meant it. And so if you're going to give me an opportunity to do it, mm-hmm. I will step out in faith and do it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I... I have been doing is having conversations around George Floyd with all of the officers that I work with. Wow. Because, and and not like group conversations. I pull one at a time into my office or I find an opportunity and, and we have a conversation. Yeah. And I think working in a community that is 99.8% white. Yeah. And that's pulling in all other races. Yes. Um, In in like the St. Stephen area. In the St. Stephen area. Predominant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I don't, I don't necessarily think my officers had ever had a chance to witness anything like this or, yeah. or even understand what other races go through in other places throughout right. this country. Mm-hmm. And so having those conversations, those tough conversations that um, yeah. I, I think we all need to have, not just police officers. I think yeah. the white community, the black community, yeah. every community needs to have these hard conversations and what happened to George Floyd is a great stepping stone to have those. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you think about these situations. I want to talk about this, like specifically with law enforcement and, you know, so you don't have, you don't have a ton of, um, you know, like minorities, minority communities in, in your, in your, your jurisdiction. So you're not dealing with that, but there it's the, the issue of prejudice. Like I think, one of the things, like this is why it's like I think I have a I do have a heart for for the law for like police officers who who get a bad rap, um so like 
one because they're painted with a with a broad brush, but the other thing is like I just always I always watch like I watch these guys and like again there's these there there are bad cops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are just there are bad cops out there. But a lot of a lot of them like yourself are good good men and women that are yeah. just trying to do their job. Yeah. And you get in these you get in these <clears throat> moments like I couldn't believe when I when I drove around with Dan that day how much of it was a judgment call. Yeah. Like just how much of how much of his job like I, you know, we're driving up uptown downtown St. John, like people are jaywalking and not signaling. I'm like, so why why aren't you just pulling over everybody? Like and he's like, Well really, you know, really we, we don't we, we don't wanna I don't want to, to do this. I don't wanna have to just be chasing every little thing down. In fact, we're what we're really trying to do is find like the, the stuff that's that's gonna be really problematic for people, right? Like mm-hmm. it's really a smaller right. it's a smaller percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they're policing, and the, the hard part though becomes when we start. So if you have these situations where police officers are, are, they're by the nature of their job having to make a judgment call, and then you get in these situations where it's like high tense, like maybe maybe even like lives on the line, yeah. um, and they have to make a judgment call. And and the problem with prejudice is it's a it's a prejudgment. It's it's a it's a decision you've already made somewhere inside of you that's been like brought out that's yep. really what's happening and like mm-hmm. so i got there's a book um by malcolm gladwell you should check it out it's called talking to strangers and in it like he he talks through a bunch of different cases of um racial profiling mm-hmm. and there's uh there's the sandra bland you familiar with that name she was one of the names that like people even were in the list of names of people who have who have died at because of police brutality basically right um he sets the whole book up around sandra bland but he in his book he talks about how most of these police officers you wouldn't they they don't see themselves as as racist it's just they actually have a prejudice buried deep within them because they maybe don't have those relationships they don't Mm -hmm. have they don't have that connection with other people to be able to see them see their humanity or to give them more scope of context. So they get in these moments that are high pressure and their default decision goes, it goes with the prejudice. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So like, mm-hmm. there's like, so that's what, that's like some of these, some of these shootings is you get, you get these people in these high pressure situations and they're making a judgment call that's based on a, a wrong assumption yeah. about yeah. somebody. And it's like, it's such a, it's such an issue. This is why I think it's so important that, that we have these conversations and the awareness thing is a big piece is because if we can get that scope of context and conversation and awareness so yeah. that like it's not the it's not the the guy with the the neo-nazi symbol on his arm that you know is necessarily like, I don't think those guys are really getting into the precinct, right? Like if you're yeah. like an overt if you're a KKK you're not getting you're in. Not getting in. So it's Mm-mm. like it's the people like me who grew up with no black friends. I sign up. I sign up. And it's because I don't know you. And then I get in the situation and I've got some kind of preconceived notion of how this is going to go. So I react a certain way. Yeah. And it's like I don't know. I don't know how how we like how as a police officer. It's just such a difficult situation. There are these judgment calls yeah. and short of knowing knowing 
people to have context. I don't I don't know how and there's any is, solutions to be. What is prejudice and what is trying to get all the facts before you get there? Right. And what is learning the totality of the situation mm-hmm. so that you can react? Mm-hmm. And there is there is a line there, but there's a whole lot of gray. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. That's the and then and things then, happen so fast. Totally. Too, right. Yeah. So you got to learn how to like like react and respond very very quickly. So you have the there, so there's the issue of what's going on inside a person, and that's that's what gets so difficult for a police officer yeah. is whether they know it or not. There's there's notions like I, I mean I talked to my own mother, um, and she was just so she's very emotional, and she texted me and just said like after our podcast with uh, with the other guys, and she just said I've never that changed me. Like I've never, wow. never thought of that. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. like again, she so grew cool. up, she's a generation ahead of me, grew up in the same place I did. Yep. You know, like it's not that no one taught, she's not by no means a racist. It's just ignorant. Like we don't mm-hmm. have, we didn't grow up with, 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 and so you don't know what your prejudices are, if that makes totally. sense. Like that's, that's the hard part. And so you're seeing it exposed. Yep. And unfortunately for police officers, they're in these situations that expose our prejudice. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, it's more rampant than what we realize. It's just you're seeing. It's not the. Pol- Does that make sense? Like and it's it's in us all at mm-hmm. a certain level. Like and I think it's amplified. That's that's the word in in police officers and and that's the word. Here's something that I think you know it, it has become a hot topic issue and it but is PTSD mm-hmm. yeah. and the mental health of right. police officers. And I had actually so um, Marion Jamer is a uh, she's like the chaplain for St. Stephen. She's actually like the chaplain for New Brunswick, but she's specifically in, in uh, St. Stephen. And she kind of, we were talking about this the other day, and one of the concepts that she kind of threw it at me and I've been thinking on is many police officers suffer from PTSD. And, and when I say PTSD, some sort of post-traumatic stress syndrome, maybe not the actual right. disorder. Yeah, sure. Because you go through stressful situations. But then the black community, and I'm just going to speak specifically to Nova Scotia because right. I don't That's know anywhere else. Experienced. There's a type of generational PTSD, PTSD yes. there. And so you have one community that's hurting yep. and need to be strong. And, and an then you have another community that's hurting and wants to be strong. Right. And then you have those two communities coming together on their worst days. Yeah. And just, yeah. Um, and so I, I, I haven't really thought about I well I've thought about it I haven't come up with a way of how you fix that because it's generational and uh, it's the scars from post traumatic stress disorder uh, you can't see yeah but every time a, a member of the black community gets pulled over yeah. It's you're ripping at it's that just, scar. It's totally tearing you're, at you're, it. You're yeah, tearing 100%. at it, so it doesn't ever get a chance to heal. Yeah. And it's like the pe- the police officer who goes to work every day and doesn't have any support. Yeah. That PTSD, as much as you might have a month with no event, right. the next time you're never back to zero. Yeah. And then and to talk about tearing open the scar, the police officer goes into goes into Upper Hammonds Plains or some other black community. And then gets rocks thrown at him or whatever. Yeah. And it's like that's tearing at the scar too. So it's yeah. like it's like this vicious cycle that doesn't. I think that's why you know if you're on social media over the last couple of weeks and you see these these moments where there are officers like hugging protesters. Yeah. It's huge. That that it it's a it, there's a 
it diffuses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I see you. Do you see me? You yeah. know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think, I think the, the, I think the key is in, I mean, if, if, if there's going to be reconciliation, there has to be a relationship. Has there to has be. to be. There has, has to, be. to be. And there has to be an appreciation of different cultures. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. man, I mean, so it, it just to make it real simple, uh, I had never had samosas until I met Mustafa. Right. <laughs> and one of my favorite foods the best. now. You the know best. what I mean? Yes. yes. Uh, n- n- when I met Nadine, she made wings. I have never had Bless wings. Bless the name of Jesus. Still, to this day. That's my love language. You know what I mean? For like, real. Best wings I've ever had. Wow. <laughs> right? Wow. But those are things. It's cultural, isn't it? <laughs> it is. All right. it, it, and those are things that, because there are cultural differences, that I got to yeah. experience, right? And it's about appreciating those cultural differences yeah. and not separating because of them. Have you had fiddleheads? No. <laughs> oh, oh, they are good. They look gross. <laughs> oh, they're good. You get used to them. Lots of oh, butter. Lots of butter. All the time people are like, hey, you want some fiddleheads? I got a bag of fiddle. I'm like, uh, I've never Some dulse? No. Some dulse? No. Is that like the seaweed Oh, I still struggle thing? with dulse. I'll eat it, but I struggle with it. I don't feel like I don't That's feel like nasty. our culture has a whole lot to offer by way of culinary. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we we we're kind. Poutine is nice. Is yeah, good. French people. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They, that's true. That's not that's us. That, they, yeah. they I can't even claim that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, do, that's, that's huge. And I do think with what is going on right now, um, with George Floyd and and the protests that are coming with it, and the and the conversations that are coming with it, I do think. I'm going to steal a little verse from uh, T.D. Jakes. Please, in, please, in please. Crushing. Get ready, get ready. So his ready. book called Crushing, and yeah. I highly recommend that read yeah. to anybody. But, okay, uh, and in those darkest moments, as we consider how, not if, we will ever be able to get back up and go on, we know ourselves only as empty husks of the ethereal dreams that once fueled our soul. But as we ferment... And become wine. We, we must never forget that once we that what we once were is nothing compared to what we are becoming. Mm. And I think this is a time right now. And I mean, I'll use COVID. I'll use yeah. what's going on with George Floyd. This is a, we are being crushed right now. Yeah. Yeah. But we are in the fermenting period where we get rid of all of our crap. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. so as we're we ferment, mm-hmm. yes, as we ferment, we're becoming wine. And as a culture, I think this is an opportunity for us all to step up yeah. and and come together. And, and now through being online, like yeah. anyone can come together. And that is our chosen way to communicate yeah. because we have no other options. Right. Right now. Yeah. And it's becoming real. And I'm not talking about social media. I, I struggle with social media yeah. just at the best of times. Yeah. Um, I, there's lots of memes and everything else going around. I'm sorry, that's not helping anybody. It's just my opinion. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm right. It's my opinion. Preach. It's not helping anybody. Um, it's conversations like this. It's conversations yeah. like you had last week. Yeah. It's what's going on in Halifax at 6 o'clock tonight. Yeah. The, yes. The, the prayerful, peaceful protest. As of the time of this recording. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's all right. Yeah. It's so all that, good. that happened on last Sunday yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That are taking place. Those are the things that are going to make a difference. Right. Totally. As a police officer, I I understand the rioting and the looting. Yeah. I, I get the anger. Yes. Um, but as a police officer, I can't condone that. No, it's not a solution. And, and it's not it's a just, solution. It's just it's continue to escalate. Yeah. The problems and it's not helpful at the all. The more and the more, you know, and you get you get 
President Trump getting up using you, you gotta you gotta dominate, you gotta you gotta use force, you gotta dominate, you know, like like come dude, you know um, what was the comment the other day? It's, escal- it's just escalate like no. infl- it's inflammatory language. It is. So what are you doing? Stop, mm, yeah. you know, like and again I'm not. If people people have heard me talk, they probably think I'm a Trump supporter. I'm 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 not. I hope I'm too liberal to be conservative, and mm-hmm. too conservative to be liberal, and you can't peg me. But yeah. you know, I'll call it I'll call a spade a spade. Like he is, yeah. he like it's inflammatory. It's just it's just perpetuating. It's perpetuating the t- yeah. the tensions. Yeah. You know, and we need people to walk across the the gap. You know, and that's what's so powerful about. The pictures of the police officers hugging protesters, and then the pictures of protesters guarding police officers. Yeah, those are huge. Yeah. Oh man, that says all. That says it all, right? Yeah. Just like that. Put down the rocks. Put down your guns. Put down your shields. Like yeah. we don't need to do this. Yeah. You know, I think. But this really does feel unprecedented, though. It feels like, I mean, this isn't the first. This isn't the first time there's been protests. This isn't the first time there's been rioting. But this is the first at this scale. And I would say, like, at least within the church, you know, we could talk about what's God doing in all this. But within the church, I don't think you've ever seen such a unanimous. Yeah. Um, especially like, I, you know, I have relationships with a lot of white pastors in the States. Yeah. That full disclosure, keep a lot of these conversations at arm's length because they're so, yeah. they're such a bee's nest, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Even right within their own. Yep their own congregations yeah, you know you're in you're sure. in georgia and it's just it's a different it's one thing for me to talk about it like you know it's it's not the tension's not quite the the same within side the congregation like you know I, i'm a proud of how our church last week like they listened yeah and i've had i've had so much feedback from from our church like the white component like the vast majority just saying i never knew yeah. You know, I, I'm thank you. I, I, I didn't understand, mm-hmm. you know, um, but you're seeing now, you know, speaking of unprecedented, you're seeing dozens and dozens and dozens of like high profile white Christian leaders in predominantly div- like divided parts of America, even getting up and just saying, this is, this is, this has got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. So you there, know? there was an interview and, and I don't know if either of you saw it, but Stephen Furtick and John Gray. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't. I didn't. I saw that they did it. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. But it is that's one good. that everyone yeah. should watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, but mm-hmm. that's but that that stuff's happening. Yeah. On the the largest white platforms, especially like um, yeah. it's that's unprecedented. Yeah. It seems like things are shifting. Yeah. You know, with with all that's happening. Like, I don't know if it was in, it was in D.C. Did you see that they they uh, painted on that street going up to the, yeah. the Black Lives Matter. It runs right up to the what's, yeah. what's that thing that stands in the, the national air, the, monument. The monument, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's it seems it seems like this is different. Oh, well, do you feel like that? It is oh Bradford? yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Because before people would just say, okay, like another thing. I feel it bad. Is it is. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel sorry. Here's a post. Here's a yeah. like a hashtag. Yeah. Uh, but now like we're starting to see like the like the um, the unity form, right? Like slowly, there's this this movement kind of happening yeah. of of just people saying no, you yeah. know, enough. That's it. Enough. True. Yeah, you know? that's encouraging. That's you know, from a from a spiritual standpoint, I mean, this is racism's a spiritual issue. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's. I think actually focusing on on the system is yes it's there are systemic issues and i i've, I've been using that word and i'm not afraid to use it i mm-hmm. think it's legit and but behind that 
there are spiritual strongholds. You know, even when you're speaking about, you know, Africaville and and like that, this generational generational wounds. There's generational like spiritual. We're dealing with principalities, right? Like that's that's what this is, and the church needs to recognize its place, not just to be. Uh, a voice for reform and an advocate and, you know, to be like, like, like Pastor Lennett said, be allies yeah. um, in the conversation. Mm-hmm. But we need to, uh, even more than that, or as much, um, or alongside of, uh, like take our spiritual place and just start calling it out, spiritually speaking, like in- interceding and praying mm-hmm. yeah. and legitimately recognizing that there's, there's a substance behind the systems and there's some spiritual strongholds that I think I think the Lord the Lord is uprooting in this season. That's yeah. that's my feeling. Yeah. 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 So biggest the biggest thing then really is in your opinion we we talk about solutions, you know, you have the complex nature of these situations and then the complex nature of the two like you the law enforcement like it's complicated you have good cops and bad cops you have there's also a spectrum like you have good days and bad days and then you're in these situations so what what do solutions look like for you i i think having those conversations is is something that definitely needs to happen uh there are conversations that are having inside the police force right now uh across all the police forces across canada around PTSD for police officers mm. right. and seeking help and options that are there because truthfully that's that good. stuff builds up. Um, I mean, I know even for myself, like there are scenes, there are calls that I've been on. They'll never get out of your head. No, like I'm when I was in, well, I, I won't go to specifics cause I don't want yeah. to tra- traumatize anyone who mm-hmm. was there. But um, it, at one point early on in my career, uh, I go to a car accident and there's, you know, it's on fire and there's four people inside and, and, uh, by the end of it, you know, I'm the driver's ejected and I'm trying to deal with the driver and I'm getting hit of hit with pieces of stuff that's exploding out of the vehicle, some body parts. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, we open the car and the only thing that you can see is rib cages attached with seat belts. Right. And that's the smell of burning flesh. Like you just don't get rid of that. And, um, yeah. Another time I was, you know, going to uh, arrest a guy because of a call where he was slashing tires. And next thing you know, it, he's running at me with a knife. Yeah. And I got my gun out and the trigger's halfway pulled. And the only reason he didn't get shot is because another police officer came and hammered him with his car. Yeah. Or else wow. I would have killed the man. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that's and that's your choice in that moment. Like, that's yeah. it. Like, it's not like... That, what else that you happened. Do? All of what I just explained it happened in three seconds. Yeah, right? that's yeah. that's the thing. Of course, you're. That's the hard part it to understand. So this, of course, your prejudice is going to come out because you're make, you're making a judgment in a in a in a split second. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, like that's it's so intense. And I mean, you you know, to speak to to hearing someone's pain, you know, you you like the the law enforcement community, you know, you partic- particular as an RCMP officer, not just dealing with COVID, not just dealing with like. You know, seeing seeing maybe this whole the whole racial thing and how this is going down from a different perspective. But then, like here in Atlantic Canada, you guys are still grieving the whole shooting, the whole shooting that happened in Nova Scotia, and like yeah. just and just I mean, pain, man. It, right, and and I mean, I worked with Heidi right when I was in Coal Harbor, and so and, and so when something happens to the black community, it happens to all. It them. happens to all of them. When something happens to a police officer, wow. right. it happens to all of them. Yeah. You can draw so many similarities. And yeah. I think one of the keys is 
instead of focusing on the differences, focus on the similarities. Yeah, yeah, Me and my Muslim buddy who is an imam, when we have conversations, we try and focus on the similarities. Right, so instead of instead starting of, at, well, you believe in uh, Allah. And, yeah, and exactly, I, right? Yeah. So I think that's how the conversation starts. And I think the conversation needs to happen at all levels. Like it's, yeah. it's no, don't get me wrong. I support government. I, I believe mm-hmm. in government, but the conversations don't need to happen between government and the black communities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It needs yeah. to happen with those that are actually there. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and you spoke to it though. Like I do That's think good. it's incumbent upon people again, PTSD, notwithstanding the challenge of being in law enforcement, notwithstanding, I think it is like incumbent upon somebody who's in a position of authority to make the first move. Yeah, it, it is. And I like, it I think totally that's is. like, it, it's, it, I think it would be, I think you already see, you've seen, I, I remember reading Colin Kaepernick's uh, post like a week ago, just saying like civility hasn't worked. So now it's time to rage basically, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, I think until the authoritative voice takes that step and yep. continues to extend itself. And that's what Jesus demonstrated for yeah. us, right? Like he showed us actually how to bridge the gap of uh, the, the gap of, you know, uh, not just talk about tension, but like a gap of inequity, yeah. you know, from heaven to earth. And he went the whole way extending himself. Mm-hmm. He's the one in authority that came under and lifted us, you know? And I think, I think the only way it really works is, is for not just governments, but people to do, you know, what you did when you, when you got to, to Halifax, right? Like to, like, I'm going to, I'm going to get in proximity and these are not just going to be these people. These are going to be Lennett and it's going to be Bradford and I'm going to know their names and they're going to be my friends. And that's, and that's the only way that this can, can possibly work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I truly can't say what has happened in Halifax the last 10 years because I haven't been there. Yeah. And I don't know what steps have been right. taken. Yeah. But I mean, just from listening to your last podcast, I'm detached from Halifax and yeah. I don't follow what has been going on. But uh, Pastor Anderson talked about a study that came out that said uh, 2.8% of the population is responsible for 40% of the traffic stops or something wow. to that effect. Yeah. If, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, that, and that's the thing is like, and, and just to hear the, how do we, how do we change it? So that like when Jeremiah says, I have to pray differently when my son, when my son who's black dry, goes out for, in the yeah. evening and drives, like mm-hmm. it's just different for him, you know? And it's yeah. like, how do we, and how it do shouldn't we, be. it shouldn't, it shouldn't no. be, no. Yeah. And it is. And like, that's, you know, but it's, it's so, it's so, it's so, uh, it's such a, just a, a, a nest of intertwined dynamics that the only way it can be. I remember I had a conversation about a, a relationship uh, within within like our, our church alliances and stuff. And like it was there was tensions yeah. and and I had some advice from a mentor that said the only way you can relieve tension is to is to actually like you guys keep pulling at it both from your own end. And it just keeps tightening wow. and tightening. And it's like the only way you can do it is 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 to kind of is to come close. Yeah. Right. To mm-hmm. actually to, to relieve to relieve the stress of it. And I think that's the only. As yeah, long good. as there's this back and forth kind of pulling, it's just not going to, it's no. not going to ever. No. And you don't fix something that has happened over generations. Overnight. Overnight. Yeah. Like no. this is, totally. even if we did That's everything good. we possibly could tomorrow. Yeah. It's not it's enough. It's going to take years no. to yeah. fix this. Yeah. yeah. Like it, you just, you can't. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. too big a problem. Yeah. I and mean, it's happened for too long. Yeah. And I think that's Quite the, long. I think that's the, 
the you know you'll you'll and you'll see like I, I've seen white people on social media even in the last couple of weeks like posting you know uh, rants even even by the odd like black conservative just saying you know show me the data and show me the stats mm-hmm. where where there you know there's systemic racism and like they're they're they don't want to admit that this is they they just want to take today and in a, in a vacuum and they don't want to actually take the scope of the fact that no we're actually dealing with the fact that many of these peoples uh you know like four grandparents ago were slaves mm-hmm. you know like that's that's yeah you know that's not that long ago and we're dealing we're dealing with generational pain that it didn't happen overnight and it's not going to heal overnight. Yeah. And it's like, so I think then, we want that quick. Okay. We do. Okay. We yeah. see you, Bradford. Yeah. Let's move on. So we're good. Yeah. You know, yeah. let's, let's no, for sure. that way. <laughs> no. no. So here's my question to you. Cause you asked me as police force, what do, what do I think that we yeah. can do? So as a church, what can we do? Yeah. I think, I think the biggest, honestly, the biggest thing is like storm the heavens. Like I really do. I don't want to over spiritualize, but I actually, I actually think yes, these conversations are huge, and that's why I've I've been doing it. I think these are powerful, just exposing the the reality of it all. But yeah. I I do think there's a there's a spiritual authority that we do have as the church yeah. to like to tear down strongholds. And I don't I don't want to I, I know there's people probably listening or watching that might not even be believers, but I I believe there's there's spiritual dynamics at play that cause us to repeat the cycle in a variety of different ways. <clears throat> and, you know, I don't know about you guys, but there's been times where I've thought I was doing the right thing. And then turns out the Lord showed me how I've been duped into, you know, just, just getting tricked by just basically reinforcing the same old problems, yeah. you know? I, I, and I think that, I think the devil is very tricky and yeah. I think he's very good at getting us to just keep, keep the tensions and keep the destructiveness. And I, I think the, one of the main roles of the church, not just being ministers of reconciliation, having these conversations, I think that's huge showing up on mass like we did last Sunday night, uh, in Halifax, in Halifax. <laughs> yes, right. Right. Like, but, <laughs> but I actually think like, you know, to call forth in the church, the prophetic types, the intercessors, the ones that will worship and do, do like real, you know, spiritual realm warfare and, and to call it out, call that principality out and, and to tear it down. I I think until that's the root, that's at the root. Yes. There's a system built around, there's systems built around it that are keeping us locked in, but we can re we can, we can reconfigure the system all day, but until the hearts are changed and the spiritual reality is dealt with, it's just going to be, it's just going to take a different shape. It's going to be the same problem in a different shape. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what you're seeing. That's why I wanted to have this conversation is let's not create the same problem with a different shape. Like, like let's not just flip back racism back on police officers. Mm -hmm. Right. Like a form of it, a form of prejudice, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, Whoa, let's, let's, let's see, let's see this with like spiritual eyes here. And I think that's the role of the church. I think, I think, Yes, ministers of reconciliation, but I do think there's a spiritual authority that we have that we should be contending for, praying praying into, calling out. Like even I think one of the things I think um, one of the guys said last week was, uh, maybe it was Matt or Jeremiah, I think both of them spoke to it, like don't be silent, you know, like just speak up. Yep. For the church to realize when we speak up, we speak, we speak with an authority that carries spiritual weight. 
And it's not just that we're no longer willing to co-sign, you know, racial racial speech, but when we speak against it, it actually has the power to tear, I think, to tear down that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's, I think the main role of the church is to recognize the spiritual reality that's at play and to take our place to take it down. You know, that's good because that's a reminder of um, who the real enemy is, right? Like it's not, it's not white people, right? I heard a quote that said, um, the enemy is not scared of a large church, but he's scared of a uh, unified church. Yeah. Mm. Right. Um, and that's that's where we have to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In, in these next like few moments of being like together. I think know? the church can also, you know, to, to to take this into practical. I think the church can also be the place that demonstrates it best on oh, yeah. on what racial reconciliation, what it really means to be. We are the people that believe that everybody's created in the image of God. And we live this out like and so we have these com- these family conversations and we we root out anything that's mm-hmm. that isn't the racism is anti-kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we can't right. we can't go with that. And I think the church has the opportunity to demonstrate, you know, to live toward that Revelation seven vision of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation redeemed by the Lord right. together mm-hmm. in unity. I think that. I think that can speak volumes too. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know um, how we can get the church less, less, uh, you know, fragmented. I'd love to see an increase, and maybe that'll happen out of this, out of this season. Maybe that's something the Lord's doing to bring more diversity mm-hmm. into local mm-hmm. churches. Mm-hmm. You know, I get, I get the the family kind of cultural component of it, and you know, for me, I'd, I'd prefer to to jam out to kind of gospel music, you know, you know me, you know me, Brad. Yeah, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, general, I get, I get it. I get it. Like, it's not the fact that there are black churches isn't all, it's not all bad. You know, it's not all segregation and racism, but I do think there's a, there's that picture we're supposed to look at in revelation seven that I think we're supposed to strive for yeah. and actually even do the work to build. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's not convenient. Yeah. yeah. It does mean you're going to have to give up your preference. It does mean that, Maybe if we're going to make a, a black and white church, it's going to be a little less Chris Tomlin, a little more Kirk Franklin, <laughs> yeah. which I'm all for. But, but you know, I think, I think it's about, about that. We need to be the ones that demonstrate that, that dance of, of submission to one yeah. another. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, think, I think that the church has a real opportunity to do that. So. And j- so from a policing perspective as well, I think we are, so I say all the time and I, I say it to my wife, I say it to anyone who will listen. I don't know how anyone is a police officer if they don't have a personal relationship with God. Yeah. I don't know how you can handle it. I don't know mm. how you handle the stresses of the day. Yeah. Like I truly, I believe there are five uh, aspects of wellness, spiritual, physical, mental, financial, and I'm missing one. Emotional. Emotional. Yeah. Uh, um, and if you don't have all five of those in order, you're in trouble. Yeah. Because you're dealing with everybody on their worst possible day. Mm-hmm. You're de- dealing with roughly the same 10% of the population. Yeah. Um, you know, the average person deals with a police officer probably twice in their lifetime. Right. 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 And there's some that will deal 20 times in a month. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so you're seeing the worst of, uh, of people, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have something to go back home and reconcile that with. Yes. I just, I mean, I have, my wife is unbelievably supportive. Yeah. I have three great little girls that love me. Yeah. Mm. I have a strong faith and a personal relationship with God. Um, and still like, I, I still go talk to a therapist once yeah. in a while. Yeah. yeah. 
I have to. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I have huge. to. Yeah. So I don't know how people who, you know, not er- we know, everyone knows that not everyone's home life is great. Yeah. Right. And it's the same within the police force. Mm-hmm. So how do you go and you deal with people's problems all day long? And then you go home and you deal with your personal problems yeah. all night. Mm. How do you come back and be fresh to deal with everyone else's problems yeah. again the next day, right? The the reality is hurt people hurt mm. people, yes. right? No, and, 100%. and when you have police officers who are hurt yeah. and they're going into hurtful hurtful situations, like it's just bound to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, to, like police officers ideally would be healthy. Ideally. Yeah. Right? And, but that's, again, like sh- short of the grace of God. You know, how do you, how do you get that real health? What do you do? You know, how do you not, it's interesting you just said, I know we're going to wrap up in a second, but it's interesting you just said, you know, deal with the same, you know, some people will be, deal with the police officer twice in their life and some people like 20 times in a month. And it's like, how do you not let that reinforce some of your biases though? Like, like it's human for you to think, well, I'm going to see Johnny down in the corner again here tomorrow as well, doing the same old thing. And you know, and it's like, if you don't have somewhere to put, those frustrations and disappointments and hurts, it's just, you're just going to live with it. And you're going to carry it into how you're a police officer or carry it into how you're a human being. Yeah. And I think the gospel, the gospel gives us, Jesus gives us that opportunity to kind of cast those things on him to start mm-hmm. as best you can start fresh every day. Yeah. You know, and that's where I think there's an open door for uh, spiritual health within the police force. Mm. I think it's something that is just starting to be addressed um, and I'm seeing it actually in New Brunswick. Uh, it, it, there is, like I said, there was a, there's a chaplain now wow. and, and there is some chaplains being spread out throughout the province. There's actually money going to it. Like it is wow. a good thing and That's there cool. is, and it is starting to grow. And I think, uh, it is something that will make a difference mm-hmm. just like praying for the black community. Yeah. Praying for police officers. It needs to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It yeah. needs to happen. We That's need so both sides. Yes. That's good. That's huge. Like just to, to you know, that the church could not just pray for reconciliation and ra- like pray for the pray for the black community, but even pray healing over wow. people who are going into the That's most good. destructive situations. Yeah. That's the thing is you're, I mean, I, I don't understand the PTSD component, but I remember, I'm, I mean, I have a stressful job Yep. and like there sometimes feels like if I don't have Jesus to cast that on, I just carry I just carry the weight of that burden all the time. Yeah. And it's like to, to, for the church to pray health over. And I think that's that's even fair to, to, to speak over the government, too. Like that. I think that's what we're supposed to pray for our government yeah, leaders. Absolutely. It's like, I mean, it's a uh, I don't envy, you know, like uh, Blaine Higgs and the uh, like the what they've had to do with the coronavirus. Because, oh. you know, like I, he's done a good job, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I what what else? what else could you do? I mean, I, again, I have, it's easy to sit in my situation and, and be critical or have my opinions about, Oh, do we need to do this? And I don't yeah. know. And all that, mm-hmm. but like, it's just a, it's a, it's a complex situation it is. and it's, it's easier said than done. Uh, guys, thank you. Hey, this has been, uh, this has been fun. It's yeah, been good it's been and good. it's been healthy and helpful and mm-hmm. I appreciate it. And so I've had to get you back on. Sounds you're good. natural. Yeah. You're natural. <laughs> this was good. Uh, you, Lots it, to talk about. I'm passionate about this. Yeah, man. Right? Well, you I, should, it's, uh, it's, hopefully, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want if you were sitting here. I was all robotic and stuff about this. I'd be yeah. concerned. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I will say this. I ask for grace because I'm sure I've offended somebody. Oh, and no, I'm sure no, we all no, have no, at some goodness. point, right? Don't, don't Dude, even. But no, it's, no. 
<laughs> hey, you're not doing it. You're not saying anything if you didn't offend somebody. So exactly. I, I tell myself that every night. We know? need to be offended right now. We need to be offended. Yeah, no, that's that's right. And yeah, if and if that's been my biggest, and, I, and we'll wrap up. And Ron, you cue the music, so we'll be done. But that's been my biggest uh, my biggest struggle with all this. Is it seems that some people are more offended by the conversation about racism than the mm. racism that's actually happening. Yeah. It's, so yeah. it's like what is your yeah. problem? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but we'll uh, yeah. Grace of God is uh, doing something new. I yes. believe that for sure. So thank you guys. This has been fun. Thank you. And Thanks uh, for the opportunity. Absolutely. We'll do it again. Will I be soon. back, Brent? You'll be back. Yeah. And I think and we'll see your face. Yeah, you'll be back. We're going to take you fly fishing. Fly you're, fishing, That please. would be fun. You're going to be we should in a Star be, Wars marathon. You're going to – well, we'll start with fly fishing. Okay. I could see you actually enjoying that. Yeah. Like, uh because even I, if you I, don't like to fish, you like being there. He yeah. doesn't. Do, he doesn't do Star Wars. Remember? Oh, yeah. Star, okay. Star Wars. Okay. We'll do. Uh, we'll try the fly fishing yeah. thing. You'll Let's like it. You, I'll tell you what. You catch a decent sized fish on a fly rod. Yeah. You're Nothing not not going to be wanting to do that again. Okay. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Let's go fishing. We should do All that. Right. Let's do it. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Speaking of Podcast. Subscribe. Subscribe. Yeah. Sure. You should do that. Subscribe yeah, and thanks. share. All right. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Do me a favor before you sign off today. Whatever platform you're listening or watching this on, do me a favor and subscribe and help me get the word out and share more great content like this for other people. Have a great day.